Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity profession brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Every episode, we will learn from NAPO members and subject matter experts as they share their successes, challenges, best practices, proven strategies, industry developments, and more. Please welcome our host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, and welcome to another great episode of Stand Out, growing in the organizing and productivity business. I'm Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. As with so many of our guests, the knowledge they have to share can be twofold. We can take the insight they share with us and in turn, share it with our organizing and productivity clients, and we can retain the information and implement it into our own business. Today is no different. Our guest today is Lori Malloy. She's not only a professional organizer, relocation specialist, and home stager, but she's also an associate certified coach and provides coaching services to her clients, both one-on-one and via group coaching. Today, I want to take a deep dive into group coaching and how it can benefit us as business owners, both from the coaching perspective and the client perspective. In 2010, Lori had the idea to start Simple Spaces. She felt that people were choosing stuff over quality of life and wanted to help. Initially, Simple Spaces began as an organizing home staging and relocation business, as I said. But after a couple of years, Lori realized that sometimes the problem went much deeper than just what could be seen in the physical. She yearned to help her clients make lasting change. And that starts with the mental. She still organizes and enjoys helping people with their physical spaces. But in 2014, she also became an associate certified coach credentialed through the International Coach Federation. And we'll dig more into that during the interview. She takes her clients thoughts, and ideas and turns them into manageable, concrete steps, making their dreams and goals more attainable and providing the direction and accountability they need. Her focused, organized, and simple methods have propelled her coaching clients into achieving their true potential. She also shares her passion for simple living through speaking engagements to both large and small groups and has a genuine sense of accomplishment in encouraging others. Lori graduated from Texas A&M University, Texarkana. She enjoys reading, walking, and biking the trails with her husband and spending time with her family. Lori, welcome to our show. Thank you. We are very excited to have you. You have a wealth of knowledge and so much experience. So listeners, buckle in because it's going to be a episode chock full of information and insight. So Lori, I want to start at the beginning. Tell us how you got back before 2010. What made you want to start your own business and how to get the courage to do it? Well, I think like a lot of people that I have listened to, even on the podcast and what I've read is just Googling. I remember just being on the computer and Googling in about 08 or 09, and I'd already started my coach training and was using that, working with non-traditional students like myself. So I didn't go back to school until my late 40s to get my degree. And I started Googling and found NAPO. And I was like, what, what, wait a minute, there's an association? <laughs> people, I'm sorry, people get paid for this? Yeah, right. And so then when we moved back to Northwest Arkansas in 2010, I called my younger daughter and said, will you join me? And so she worked with me for about four and a half years and attended one of the NAPO conferences. And it was a great, we had a great ride. It was really good. I love it. And she, she still works with you today, no? Or has your business changed? So 
she is a real estate agent and does flip houses. So sometimes we do staging. I don't do as much staging, but once in a while, and I tell her that she always makes me look good. She's kind of my editor on things. Writing really is not my strong suit. And so find someone that can help you with that. And so I send all my documents to her to look over. I love that. So then, okay, so then how is your business structure today? Because you once worked with your daughter and now you kind of do, I'm assuming, more coaching and speaking. Is that true? I do. So after about four and a half years, we kind of re-evaluated. I'm big on finding your core values. And one of mine was just simplicity. And so setting people up in 10,000 square foot houses just didn't feed my soul. And we worked for a national relocation company. And I love that people do that. But for me, that was not filling for me. And so I got serious about my coach training. And she and I was actually driving away one day after setting up someone in like a 7,000 square foot house. She said, mom, this really goes against our core values. And she wanted to focus on purchasing flip homes. And I got serious about speaking and coaching. I love that. Great. So then let's talk about the, the coaching. So you actually were involved in the coaching education when you started your business, Simple Space. Is that correct? I was. So I used to say that I was a trained coach because I started in 08 or 09 by a therapist that had said, you need to do coach training. And it has made a huge difference in my personal and my business life. And I started it not thinking that I would do anything. But the further I go in it, I count my hours and I would eventually like to go up to the next level, which is a PCC. So it is just a big part of my business and who I am. So how did you make that transition from working hands-on in 10,000 square foot homes to just focusing on coaching and speaking? Because I'm sure there's a, there's a point there where you kind of have to say, okay, hold on. I have to actually stop the working hours, the trading dollars for hours to build that portion of your business. Is that true? And if so, how did, how did you do that? Yeah, that's a really good point. I felt like we were leaving a lot of money on the table because they would send us jobs. So we would do the unpack and we would get rid of people's stuff. And the more stuff they got rid of, the better it was for us financially. So there was a lot of money left on the table, but I'm all, I'm very holistic. And so I'm really, I'm a little bit older and I feel an urgency in my life to really do what you're passionate about. And really, I want my family, I want my clients to see me that I am whole. And so So for me, it wasn't filling my soul. Even though I was leaving money on the table, I felt like there was something else out there for me. Little did I know that I would never have considered doing group coaching. And I believe that it was Dinslow or Ellen Faye that reached out to me and said, do you want to be in this class? And I thought, oh my gosh, I group, oh, what what would I do with group coaching? I was already doing one-on-one. I still do residential organizing best, one of the best business decisions I've made. And I believe that just sometimes you got to try stuff instead of, you know, I used to say go deep and not wide, but sometimes you got to go wide and you got to figure out and cast that net wide and say what you think you're not going to do. Just try it. And after I tried it, I was hooked. Like in their class, I was like, I'm going to make this work. I'm going to do this. So I've been doing it now. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, but I feel like the more I do, I have a group going right now. I've been doing it for about two years. I love it. It just fills my soul. And I think the women get a lot from it. I bet. So, and you know, to that point of casting a wide net, you did, but at the same time, you understood what your core values were. And I think that helped you make an educated leap into something a little wider than what you were used to, wouldn't you say? Yes, 
for sure. I knew that I wanted to do something in coaching. I just never thought that it would be group coaching, which goes along. I do trainings as well and speaking, and it just it's great. It just is, you know, I think when you're really aligned with your purpose and what you're doing, oh man, it is so good. It's such a good place. Oh, I feel like I'm still very much figuring out like, I like, like you years ago, I do a bunch of different things and I kind of enjoy all of them, but I know that there is a sweet spot for me. So and I'm sure so many of our listeners feel me on that. So now that you've found yours, how would you say it has affected the bottom line in your business? Would you say now that you've really doubled down on your sweet spot that actually your business is flourishing more, even though you said before you were leaving money on the table, I'm, I'm assuming that's no worries anymore for you. Yeah, I. it has. It has changed. One of the things is I'm currently reading Building a Story Brand, Clarify Your Message, and It's by a guy named Don Miller. And even yesterday at a networking group, how I begin by starting out with their pain point instead of their solution. And I'm noticing people right immediately. I had three people come up to me afterwards and say, I want to be in your group. How do I make that happen? When are you starting your next group? So I think trying to figure out, like I think when you're in your right zone and where you're supposed to be, I think people are going to be kind of attracted to that a little bit more. And they can see that you're authentic and you're real. And I have millennial daughters and I support them. I'm trying to get my younger daughter to get her contractor license. So whatever it is, I just, I'm all about supporting people in whatever whatever their best life is. So the listeners can't see this, but I can see your face. And Lori's face (laughs) just lit up as she was just talking about helping people. So, I mean, we're all helping people in some capacity or another, but when you find that, like I keep calling it that sweet spot, because I think that's what it is. It just propels you to wake up in the morning and get going. So explain to us then what group coaching is. I feel like it can go a few a different a few different ways. Like are you helping fellow business owners find their way? Are you helping people who have trouble with stuff find their way? Is it a combination of both? Yeah, it's actually nothing to do with organization, which I think people are quite surprised about that. So what I have found, my ideal client for me, and it took me a while to get there, are women entrepreneurs. They're usually high achievers and they're extremely creative. And I've had people call me like, oh, so you are a mind organizer. Yeah. Sometimes they have ideas and they're all over the place or they need a a girl just rehired me um, to do one-on-one coaching because she said, I need that accountability piece. And I realize that uh, she has, I'm trying to think of the tendency where they the, they need that accountability. I'm, I'm loving Gretchen Rubin and all of her. I just signed up for her class and I'm so excited about doing her tendency class. So I just, I, you know, it's just what we do in group. So I focus on women entrepreneurs, though they're not all that. I've had someone that's retired from school teaching that says, I need to find my why and my purpose now. So it's a six-week program that they sign up for because I believe that that's kind of when the transformation. I really encourage them to be committed to come every single time with a set topic every time they come. Do you set the topic or do you allow each person a certain amount of time to speak and share? 
No, and I do now I do that, but I do have set topics for them because that's what's enticing for them. So I will send out an agenda. Like a girl that's in my group now said, Oh, I looked it over and I man, there's three that really spoke to me. So it can be around toxic people, difficult conversations. We first start out with what are our core values and finding our purpose. We end with vision boards and time management and goal setting. So every week is a different topic and they know. And then I've kind of patterned it after the book that we used in class is from one to many with Jennifer Britton. And it's the class, it's the, the book we had used in Ellen Fay and Dinslow's class. And I, it's all marked up for me. It's been a valuable resource if anybody is really interested in group or team coaching. I would actually like to branch into team coaching, which is a little bit different than the group. But right now I'm doing group and I'm loving it. So what does a typical day look like then for you? I mean, obviously you have your classes or your your coaching sessions where everyone, um, they come to you physically or do you do this virtually or? I have not gone virtually. So actually I have, I do it physically and the group coaching is only for two hours. We have been meeting on Saturdays and it's for two hours. So a day for me, I work a lot in my office because I have one-on-one clients and it's just by phone. Sometimes I'll meet them. The girl that rehired me is here in Northwest Arkansas and I actually meet her at a coffee place. And that's what she wants. She doesn't want to do phone. And I still do residential organizing. I have clients that have called me back from the past, some upcoming speaking. I will be speaking with Lisa Lucan at NAPO and a lot of things on the calendar for speaking and training in the spring. Ooh, you gave me so many good nuggets that I want to dive into. Okay. How do you balance that schedule then since I'm assuming these one-on-one phone calls or even in-person coaching sessions during the week, are they set so that you can then fill in the residential organizing as it comes in and as you select specific jobs that you want to take on? Or how does that, how do you manage all that? Yes. And for me, what I have found, so I've been doing this about eight and a half years. And what just going back really quickly to the residential, I don't do more than one client a day. Because what I find is I have a lot of energy, can work pretty fast, have a three-hour minimum, like a lot of organizers. When I'm there, they're like, can you stay all day? I hear that a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, because when, you st- when you're there all day, you can just really speak life to them and be a truth teller. And I'm huge on being a truth teller. I don't typically, though, I do have to say, I typically have figured it out for my business and a good bottom line is I don't coach when I organize. Now, I know a lot of people do, and I'll kind of use coaching things where I might ask an open-ended question, hey, how's this working for you, or tell me about this, or something like that, but typically, they're going to have to hire me as, it's been a good financial decision for me. If they want me as a coach, they have to hire me as a coach, and it's separate, and my rates are higher. So, educate our listeners on that. So, can you dive in that just a little bit more, what you mean by that? What is the difference between you coaching and organize a physical organizing client versus not coaching? What are some things you will and won't do? And in your mind, where do you stop so that you know that your value is being... It's, you know, the coach in me has found a boundary because what happened is when I first started and I got my credential and we pay thousands of dollars for our training, whether you're a CPO, whether you're a coach, whether you're a, a speaker, whatever it is in your industry, 
And I found that I was just giving myself away. And I'm like, ah, wait a minute, what am I doing? And so then at some point, I had to step back and say, you know what? This is a good, clear boundary for me. And I'm older. And I feel like you get wisdom, you get experience, you get all the knowledge that I have. But you have to hire me as a coach. It was just a good boundary for me. And it has worked very well for me. And so the people that hire me for coaching, it has nothing to do with organizing. They don't want anything to do with organizing. They're like, you know what? I need some accountability around writing a book. My numbers are here in my business and I want a six-figure salary and I know you can help me get there. And so what I found is it was just a good separation for me financially for my business. So you'll go in, you'll get the kitchen organized, but there's not going to be too much of diving into the psyche of the client at that point. Absolutely. Got it. Right. It. Mm-hmm. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. And do you feel that those clients want that or do they not even know they want that? Do you upsell them that? How does that work? So yes, I kind of do sometimes. I mean, it's like we look for spaces and I just did an entire house for a girl and then I text her and said, hey, when you're ready to do the garage, let me know because I knew she needed the garage after we did everything. And so yes, a lot of times I will. I will say to them, you know, or they'll find out, tell me about coaching. I remember organizing a client, it's been a few years back and she said to me, can you step out of the closet for a second and us coach? And I said, yes. She specifically asked for it, and I stepped out of her closet, and we began to coach for a few minutes. Typically, that doesn't happen, though. Got it. So would you take on a client who wants you to coach them through their relationship with their stuff versus their relationship with their business, or do you would you rather just stick to helping people grow their business? I would. I would be happy to do that. But for some reason, that has not... I'm up for recredentialing this year. So I have to get a mentor coach and Mm. I've taken all my hours and everything. And what I have found is I mainly feel like... It's like Michael Port says. You know, he talks about getting on the red carpet. So you want those clients that your ideal clients to be able to get on the red carpet. And my red carpet clients are really women that are high achievers that are extremely creative. I'm drawn to people that are, or they're drawing to me, that are graphic designers, that might be real estate agents, that are attorneys. I've had a few attorneys that have their own business and they're kind of all over the place. And I usually don't draw those kind of people. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that means you know who your ideal client is. You know who that avatar is and and that's going to help you and your business grow at, you know, awesome crazy rates that I'm sure you're ready and and willing to take on. So, I want to dive into what it's like to become a certified coach. So, before we dive into that, we're going to take a quick break, hear a message from Napo, but then I want to hear all the down and dirty of what it takes to get there. So, we'll be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University courses in various formats to accommodate different learning styles and further your education when and how you wish. And don't forget about the NAPO Annual Conference being held April 3rd through the 7th in Fort Worth, Texas, featuring pre-conference workshops, over 30 concurrent sessions, President's Reception and Keynote Speakers, Michelle Prince, and New York Times bestselling author of The Happiness Project, Gretchen Rubin. More information can be found online at napo.net. 
Okay, we are back with Lori Malloy, and we've been talking about how she has shifted from being a professional organizer, organizing 10,000 square foot homes, staging them, helping people get rid of physical stuff. But she discovered that actually her true passion lies in in coaching, both one-on-one and group coaching. And so I thought now would be a great time to dive into how one becomes an associate certified coach through the International Coach Federation. So Lori, tell us all because I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll be happy to. So I think the best piece of advice is what my therapist friend told me in about 2008, she said, I think you'd make a great coach. Whatever program that you choose, make sure it is credentialed. Make sure that it is recognized by the International Coach Federation. So there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of programs. And I know Dinslow's program, Coach Approach is. You can go that route. I wasn't in NAPO. I didn't know anything about that. So I went and found a program that she had recommended me to go through in 2008. What I found is it was important for me to be able to promote myself in speaking, living in Northwest Arkansas. We have some big corporations here, you know, Walmart, Tyson, J.B. Hunt, a lot of activity, a lot of movement, a lot of vendors here. What I found to position myself is it was important for me to get my credential. And so this year, year I'm working on re-upping. It will expire at the end of December. And so I ended up, so the International Coach Federation has three levels. So I currently have my associates, which is the the bottom level. So you can get your ACC, your PCC, which is professional, and then your MCC, which is a master's. And so I am working on my PCC, which is 500 paid hours. So I'm logging in my hours. I keep a log. You don't get them as quickly, though, doing group. So I can only count like one person in group. So I have to adhere in group under the International Coach Federation. Like They don't allow more than 15 attendees in group. And what I like is four to eight. So I'm even less than that. So I just found to position myself, it was important for me to say that I was a credential coach. Nowadays, I found that a lot of people, it might be in my area, a lot of people call themselves a coach. And I wanted to be able to say I'm credentialed under ICF, which is the gold standard in the world. That was very important for me. And there is no judgment for those that are listening. This is for me, Lori Malloy with Simple Spaces. This this is just for me. And I just, I felt like that's what I needed to do. And so I went on, I did my training, I did my, you under, for your ACC, you have to have 100 paid hours. I went and did that. And so now I'm working to the next level. Wow. And to be a master, how many hours do you need for that? I believe it's... It's 750 and Dinslow actually has her MCC. Wow. So it's 100 for the first, and then it's an additional 500 for the second level. And then we believe it's an additional 750. Is that how it works? Yes, I think that's correct. Wow. But that's, you know, here's the thing. Coaching is, I, I've, I have a business coach who I, who I love and who's done wonders for me. And it's not an investment to be taken lightly. But at the same time, I know she's invested herself in becoming credentialed and, 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 and educated. So there's one thing I think to be someone who's really good at motivating people, but then having the education behind it so you, that 
that the investment from the client aspect, you feel like, right, but I'm putting it in the hands of someone who is more than capable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I have a law enforcement husband who's always like, oh, somebody's going to challenge you on that. And it's never happened until I went to a networking thing. It's been about a year or so ago. And the guy comes up to me, he said, how can you call yourself a coach? Like, got right in my face. He was like 6'4", and he got right in my face. And he said, I said, oh, here's how I can call myself a coach. And so it was really awesome because I'd prepared because my husband is a truth teller. I got a couple of those in my family and in my life. And he, you know, he said, always be prepared for that. And I never thought that day would come. And it did. He's like, how everybody calls themselves a coach. Like what makes the difference for you? And then I started almost like spot coaching him. Like, well, where are you in your business? And are you passionate about your, what you're doing? And what do you really want to do? Well, next thing I know, he ends up quitting. He's a commercial real estate agent, quits it. Then he gets up at networking. He said, Lori Malloy is the best person to talk to. <laughs> he's doing what he's passionate about because I put him on the spot when he put me on the spot about how can I call myself a coach? Well, but you, you came with the goods, you know? So I don't think I would have been prepared, but my <laughs> husband's always pushing me to the line. Yeah. Well, there you go, listeners. Lori's husband is also pushing all you to the line. What can you do to make your shift ready? Well, what? How, why are you a professional organizer? What gives you the right? What gives you the right to be a productivity specialist? I mean, yes, we all have that innate want, desire to help people, but there is a level of education involved and there are so many ways to get there. And so, Lori, I think you just kind of like, or you're kind of preaching the choir. I hear that, but it's good to remember that it's kind of putting some skin in the game too, right? Yeah. And I love NAPO for that. They are so much about learning and about, you know, you got to be teachable, embrace feedback, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So I know you do a lot of speaking as well. So how does that play into your business? Oh, man. So uh, last year, I hired a speech coach and I felt like my content was good but my delivery wasn't. I felt like my content was good and I'm a minimalist. What the heck? I was giving them so much stinking information. People can't remember. I had a guy come up to me and want to hire me and I said, what did you like about the talk? He couldn't remember what I said. He had this glazed over look and then I realized, oh my gosh, she's right. And she lived here locally, which was great for me and got to go to a couple of my speaking things. So I think just knowing we need to give our audience less and really go deep. Now, this is not where we want to go wide, but we really want to go deep in our talks. And I, okay, so if you're a beginner organizer, this is a piece, and I kind of made this up. So my daughter and I started in 2010, and trust me, I was terrified to be on the stage. And the library contacted us, and my motto was, if you could tell one person about your business, why not tell 25? Why not tell 40? Why not tell 100? And so the library contacted us. I was a nervous wreck, a nervous wreck. My daughter and I spoke together. She said, we're probably going to have about 20 people at our local library. Well, they brought in more chairs and it turned out to be about 120, 130 people packed the room. And I just, if you have the opportunity to speak, I'm in two Toastmaster groups, speak, 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 speak. 
And why do you say that? Does it does it empower you as a business owner? Is it good for for your pocketbook? Like, what would be a good motivator for people who are like, ah, I'm nervous, but you say it's good. Yes. So I think the deal is everything that I had read in 2010 was we want to position ourselves as a thought leader, as an expert in our field. Well, now it's kind of interesting. I'm reading this story brand book, and he basically says you want to be the guide. You want your clients, we want our clients to be the hero. We don't want to be the hero. We need to show our clients. And I noticed, I thought about myself, even after I've organized all day and I'm dripping sweat with someone, I'm like, man, you did a great job. And they're like, no, we did a good job. And so it's this team effort and you come with energy and you make them feel like it's a we. It's not a me, it's a we. And you're the hero in the story. And so I'm kind of changing the way I'm looking at speaking. I used to think that I would get up there. And now, like when, she, when I hired her, she said, Lori, what's your greatest fear about speaking? I said, my greatest fear is that I won't bring value to the people sitting in the audience because they've given an hour of their time out of their busy schedule. I want them to feel like when they leave, I I listen to your podcast, Sarah, you're excellent in what you do. You bring energy, you, every client you interview, I love listening. And I think you can, that radiates and people feel like, okay, like seriously, that was worth listening to that podcast because there's a gazillion podcasts you could be listening to. Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. It makes me feel all tingly. <laughs> but it, you know, when you can help someone, when you can bring, like you said, value, there's, and I think that's my biggest fear too, no matter if I'm getting behind this mic, whether I'm knocking on someone's door and I know they're going to give me money in exchange for my time, like I just want to really bring it. And so, uh, that that's so true. How do you come up with the content? I feel like a lot of people are okay. I'm actually not afraid to speak or I feel like I could do this, but how the heck would I narrow it down so I can get deep? Like, so how do you do it? Oh my gosh, I'm having so much fun. So it's not anything around organization. My favorite topic, and it's the coach in me, I am not a therapist and I say it from the stage, is mental clutter. So we first talk about the negative self-talk and the limiting beliefs. What is that? I share a personal story. I'm the youngest of eight. Oh my gosh, I felt so inadequate. I felt like I couldn't do anything. If you had told me at the Baltimore conference, the NAPO conference in 2010, I'd be doing this podcast. I would have said no way, but thank you, thank Napo, and thank Amy Tokas for reaching out to me. What a sweetie she is. <laughs> so I just, it's all about my content changes. Last year, I got asked by the Arkansas Optometric Association. They said, we want you for a training. We believe that public speaking for our optometrists to be a leader in their community, they need public speaking skills. And I said, they do. To be a leader and CEOs are finding it's most valuable that they have good communication skills and can do public speaking. And so my topics range from mental clutter to time management to a basic, basic watered down course on public speaking. Mm. Trying to think, there's just a lot. I, I try not to have just just a ton of topics and really hone in and just get better on each topic that I have though. Now, how did they find you? Like, how did they know to come to Lori Malloy to speak to a group of optometrists about this? 
Yeah, so that was pretty cool because I, I do a lot of stuff for free and I'm wanting, I'm in the speaking for fees SIG and so I do get paid some. So I did this thing, I was approached by a millennial, it's kind of a big deal and the guy said, we want you to come and we want you to speak on crucial conversations, difficult conversations, basically toxic people, communication. And so I thought, okay, what do I know about that? Well, what I know about that in coaching, there's 11 core competencies. So I took three of those, the active listening, the direct communication. I took three of the core competencies, took them to the stage and said, this is why it is important for you with communication. This, And from that, someone saw me and referred me to the Arkansas Optometric and they hired me. So I got a paid gig out of that after speaking free for them. And it was on a different topic. Uh, and this really ramps up your resume and your experience and I'm sure your confidence level too. It does. It does. I'm all, I put in speaking proposals all the time. So yes. Ooh, tell us about that. So do you, do you have businesses you, you yearn to speak in front of and you kind of send them some sort of hard copy uh, proposal or how does that work? Yes, you do. So there is a girl that's in our Toastmaster group who put me in the International Association of Certified Professional or Certified Administrative Professionals. Mm. And I actually applied, I don't know, I haven't even heard, 2020 to speak at one of their conferences as a breakout so basically, you've got to come up with a little, you've got to come up with your bio, you need to come up with a summary, I keep that 75 words or less, it's the same for the NAPO speaking thing, and then what are the three objectives, three to five, what will your participants walk away from? And once you have created this, then I can just go in and tweak it for each one. I've already, you know, you already have it set or whatever. Right. And it sounds like it's you start simple. We start small with an outline almost. That's what it sounds like. And then and then you build it until you're ready for showtime. And that's when you actually are ready to give your presentation. Correct. Yes. Yes. So I, I don't know if listeners know about this, but I actually, my first career was um, as a musical theater performer. So like I get all the improv and, and theater training, but I never heard of this Toastmasters thing. So just in case our listeners haven't either, would you educate us on what that is? Because I just discovered it like a year ago. Okay, so I am locally, it's an international organization. So it doesn't matter if you live in Mexico. It does not matter if you're in Canada. It is a, what it is, it will assist with your speaking. But the interesting thing is it's not just for your speaking. It's also for leadership roles. So when you go there, you're learning how to be a leader in your club. So you might be, you might sign up for a timer. You might sign up for a speaker role. You might sign up to be evaluate someone's speech. It has really helped me. I am very committed on Monday nights. So I'm in two clubs. One of them I can't go as often to because it's during the day, but the Monday night, I'm pretty committed to be there. And I will try things out for them. Like if there's a group coaching topic where I'm thinking, oh, I wonder how this would be, you know, maybe boundaries, then I might give a presentation on boundaries and see how it lands with them. So is it kind of like, is it kind of like, like uh, improv or stand up for CEOs and, and thought leaders? Well, they have a section that's table topics that you're called on, and they ask you to speak for a minimum of one to two minutes, oh. at least a minimum of one minute. If you sign up for a speaking role, you need to come prepared. You need to have practiced your speech, and what I'm learning is you want to at least practice it, I mean, especially if you're getting paid 10 or more times. And so, 
for Toastmasters, if you sign up for a speaking role and you're on the agenda, they have a very set agenda. It's down to the minute for your club and you need to be, I mean, you you need to have practiced what sure. you're going to say for your speech. So, and I'm sure this lends really well to your group coaching and your one-on-one coaching because, I mean, your confidence, even right now, like, you know, you're just, you're here, you're present, you're ready to go, you're lit up, like, and I'm sure all of this is compounding and creating the Lori we hear and see today. And, and I think that's why you know what it what it can do for you to invest in in this education because you said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, how much you, you want to really protect how much you've educated yourself. And when you were with working with clients, you would stop from coaching and just get them from A to Z with their organizing tasks because coaching is a whole other different, it's a different level. But you see the value in speaking for free here and there and gaining up your experience in your resume. So it's that tricky balance of protecting you and your time and knowing when to invest the free time so you can then grow. How do you do that? (laughs) Well, I think one of the things is for me, and I say this often, it is not my quote. It comes from John Maxwell. And he says, say no to the good so we can say yes to the best. And so I am constantly looking for the best in my life. My daughter and I have had a vision. We have wanted to write a book and I actually have a book coach now, someone that will be working with me. And so I think that it's really important. I've gotten very protective of my time. I am a grandma and on Tuesdays, I don't take any clients and I keep my grandkids and I'm all in. I'm not going to be a babysitter any other day of the week, but you know, on Tuesdays, girls, you got me. And so I think that just being very clear and if I go have coffee with someone there's going to be a reason. I'm either thinking I can add value into their life or they can add value into my life. I don't just drive up and down and meet people for coffee or have phone conversations. I am so intentional now in my business about really direction that I want to go in. I think a lot of us strive for that. And I think it's important that we keep looking for that because there is light at the end of the tunnel, especially when you start out, you, you tend to be a generalist, you say yes to everything. But there's value in saying no to the good and saying yes to the best. And that can, I'm sure, open up doors that you never even knew were there for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I remember starting out and working for a couple of hoarding clients who were on level three. And all I did was self-train myself. And then I said, you know what? I'm not trained for this. They need someone. And I know your listeners are going to hear that are trained to do that and also working with a therapist. That was not my ideal client. Know, know yourself. And then, yeah, I, I, ugh, it's so good. And it's a journey. I don't think it's a destination. And, and you know, I've said it a few times myself. I'm, I'm still very much on that journey. But And that's why I feel very privileged to be in the position I'm in, talking to amazing people like you who have some awesome, valuable life experiences to share and to help guide listeners. Because, you know, we all have something to give, but until we know exactly how we're best suited to give it or we decide to invest in that, can we really shine? So I'm so glad that you found where you where you belong, Lori, and, and where your gifts lie. It's That's truly an exceptional place to be. Um, I always ask our, our guests to leave our listeners with two sticky notes, two high-impact 
uh, piece of advice that they can implement into their businesses this week, maybe this month, but but soon here. They put up in their office and they look at and they say, thanks, Lori, for that piece of advice. What two pieces of advice would you leave us with today? I think the first thing is, is definitely be a, um, not only a truth teller for someone else, but make sure you have a truth teller in your life. Someone that is really speaking, just speaking the truth, telling it like it is. We can't grow unless we have that. We can't grow. I, my younger daughter and my husband definitely provide that for me. And I encourage that in group. And then the other piece is, as far as a sticky note, what I would say is just you know, like I got to go back to the group coaching and that's why you guys reached out to me. But I think what I had said no to, it might be something that you're saying no to. And it might be something you're like, I'm not going to use that in my business. Like, oh, that, you know, that's not going to be something that I could ever use in my business. And you might just need to try it and just see it's not going to hurt. And then you can say, you can say no to it, but, but give it a try and, uh, you know, and don't ruminate, you know, confidence code, awesome book, not worth ruminating for sure. You know, you can't, we've joined associations that weren't good and you just, you got to try stuff and be willing to try it and just go from there. When I was little, my mother used to call me that call that the no thank you bite when you sit down to a meal to try everything have a no thank you bite because then you know whether or not you're going to like it or not you can't just put your nose up at it before you even try it so I think that is solid advice Laurie yeah I just you know and I my motto last year and this year be be comfortable with the uncomfortable and so every day my action step is what am I uncomfortable doing today what's pushing me it used to be about one a week and now I'm like it's about on a daily basis just it's where the growth happens you know be comfortable with being uncomfortable I like it yeah anything else you want to leave our listeners with before we kind of dive into where they can find you here online I you know we're excited to be presenting at Napo and Lisa and I everything that we I, you know Carol Dweck, I didn't even mention it, but really the basis for my business and what's changed me is coming from a growth and not a fixed mindset. So really getting her book on mindset has been so empowering for me. I love that. We have to be kind of in that place to be ready to grow in order to even be able to open those doors that we talked about being presented to you. Because if you don't know what to do with the opportunity, then... (laughs) (laughs) there's nowhere to go. Yeah. And I thank you for this opportunity. And I want to say I'm still a work in progress. It's taken me probably eight and a half years to just smile and just say, this is where I am in my business and I'm loving it, but still growing and developing for sure. I think until the very end, that's the great thing about owning a business is, is that never ending journey. And I think that's the whole being comfortable with being uncomfortable, because if you're growing as a business, if you're learning every day, if you're evolving, I mean, that's inevitable, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, Lori, where do you hang out online? Where can our listeners maybe contact you or read more about you or maybe even sign up for your coaching if they're local or get ready when you go virtual? Yeah, so it's www.simplespaces.us, like United States. And then on Instagram, it's Simple Spaces NWA, which stands for Northwest Arkansas. Simple Spaces NWA. You can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm not a real, I'm trying to push past and 
get the social media. I was excited. Napo was following me. I was like, oh my gosh, I think I've arrived. Wow. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. So anyway, that's it. I love it. Okay, great. Well, listeners, thanks again. Like we said, we value your time and we hope that we're providing value for you with each and every podcast episode. That is why we bring you the best of the best guests for you. What did you learn today? Really think about that right now. How can you take what Lori has given us and make that valuable for yourself? Even if you're not a business owner, if you are, if you work for an organizer or a business, you can still bring value to whatever team that you're on and being uncomfortable with the uncomfortable and or saying yes to things that you never thought you'd say yes to, what can that do for your future three, five, 10 years down the line? So I'm Sarah Karakayan. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. Thanks for being here with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast or you're able to walk away with any nuggets of inspiration or something valuable, please leave us a review and hit that subscribe button. We want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition to subscribing and leaving us that review, please feel free to share this and every episode with your colleagues, your team, or anyone who might benefit. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. I'll talk to you then. That's all for today's episode of Stand Out, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to join, learn more about our educational offerings, local chapters, and more. Mm-hmm.